Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sandspants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. Hi everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George DeMorellis and I'm here today with Annie Louie. Hello. Uh, now, would you like to give yourself an introduction? Yes, my name is Annie Louie. I'm a stand-up comedian, born and raised in Melbourne, 26 years old, don't have anything else to add. I'm an alcoholic now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I thought you'd like be better prepared for that question. Yeah, it's like being asked in a job interview, you know, say something interesting about yourself and then people panic. Yeah. Or just like, what's your resume? And you're like, uh, work? Well, I've got too many other titles I'm trying to cut down on. Like, like a producer, what? actor. I just got qualified in my cert for uh, to be a mar- marriage celebrant. Okay. Yeah, and there's a lot of different things going on. Yeah. Well, you could have mentioned all of those. I do radio. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I can't have to pull this out of you. Well, that's <laughs> what I mean. You, you weren't specific enough, so I gave you nothing. Yeah, okay, all right. All right. So now I've got to be real specific. All right? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to be yes or no. Yes, exactly. Or just the bare minimum. You're like grading Yeah, 50 me minutes online. of silence is what I will give you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like this. I like it. All right, we can work on this. So obviously, yeah, you know how this works. You bring in a book. We're going to talk about some your favorite book and what does it maybe say about you a little bit. So do you want mm. to say what you've brought in today Great. that you happily not told me beforehand? So yes. Right. Yeah, well, I wanted to surprise you, see okay. how good at being improvisational you are. <laughs> I've brought in Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's a self-help book, and I did say during one of the shows that you put on at Comedy Festival, uh, it was I was riffing with the audience and I said, I pretty much only read self-help book these, books these days, and everybody laughed mm-hmm. hard. And I was like, is that because I'm lame or they can all relate? And I never really found out, but it is a truth. Um, do you want to know the answer? Yeah, please tell okay. me. Okay, I'm guessing it's because you're lame, mm. um, but not because I think you're lame. I just think that a lot of people hear someone say they read self-help yes. books and there's this stigma that's attached to it. I don't agree with that, but I've got a feeling maybe that's yeah, what the reaction was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially this, especially yep. if you're like, it's all I read. <laughs> I also read autobiographies, so I'm really only into non-fictional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the truth is always funnier. And better, you know? Just yeah. destroyed the entire comedy movie industry. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I was tossing up between this book or bringing in Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. 
That's an interesting choice. Is your favorite autobiography ever? Uh, possibly, yeah. Really? Yeah, because of uh, her having to work a lot of shitty jobs and then you know making it big time. But it doesn't have to be when you're young. It can be when you're yeah, yeah. yeah further down the track as it's well. Got a, yeah, yeah. I think mm. I'm looking like because uh, I agree. I think it's inspirational. A lot of the stuff in it, but at the same time, I was just like, it's just so short. Uh, yeah, you're like, like, this <laughs> is really short. It's, well, it's, sorry, you're smaller than us all. Okay, that's no, about. No, okay. All I can handle. Don't throw that at me. You know what I mean is when I say that. Yeah. It's like as in, okay. You wanted more is what you're saying. Yeah. It's good yeah, yeah. you wanted more. I was like, it's not meaty enough. That's what I meant. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But you've gone with this, which is Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love. Isn't yeah. You? I hate that movie. It's a terrible movie. I It was excruciating to watch, but... Uh, I've heard it's a good book. Maybe the book is better. And I haven't read any of her other literature, but this was recommended by a friend of mine who said she's really into audiobooks and said you should listen to the audio version of it. But I'm a visual person, so I tuned into the podcast and turns out I'd listened to the wrong thing. I didn't get the audiobook. I started listening to the podcast that was on iTunes and I was like, oh, and then this happens. And she like look, links people up with mentors. And my friend was like, that's not what happens in the book at all. And I was like, what have I been listening to? So I went so, out and, yeah. Is the podcast called Big Magic? It is also okay. called Big Magic. So you can see how I got confused. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. My friend gave me this, yeah, hard copy. And I thought it is a sign because I've been meaning to read it anyway. And then I got gifted it. So was Did, it, was this a while ago, was it? This was this year for my birthday. This year? So June, yeah. How do you go with like, uh, do you get a lot of books as presents for? Yes. But I think my friends are tuned into now what I do like reading. Yeah, and whatnot. I also got a mug. I always get mugs. Does yeah. it mean anything? I don't know. Does it? You tell me. Do you have a thing for mugs? Uh, you, are you always breaking mugs angrily? They're like, she no, needs a mug. No, no, I've got no thing for mugs. But they are good for putting pens in, not just liquid. There's a fun fact for you. It, that's true. How many pens do you have that people Too constantly... many. Yeah. Really? Like one Friday night, my mum was at home not going out, and I was like, mum, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just going to test pens tonight. She's just out there testing pens and throwing away the old ones. So that's how many pens we have, and I've got a told my family no more pens we can never from now till infinity buy a pen because there is enough here i love that your mom is involved in this pen hoarding <laughs> strategy it's yeah. not just you it is <laughs> yeah. generational it is i mean <laughs> ah that's another story like i could have brought in some Marie Kondo, but leave that alone yeah what do you mean? That's... like my house you know it's it's a huge mess and the pens are the tip of the iceberg okay right yeah so the whole house so <laughs> yeah. you would have brought in Marie Kondo, but it's an unread con pretty much pretty much yeah okay. i do have a joke about how i lost it amongst the junk yeah yeah, that, yeah. I can understand that yes. one, yeah. You'd like pens and you like books. Yeah. So you bit old school. Yeah, I guess so, yes. Definitely. I don't have a Kindle or no. an e-book reader. No, and mm. not really into audio books? No, I'm a visual, hard copy person. It does feel good, doesn't it? I said hard in a very sexual way. Then you said that and now I'm a bit confused. <laughs> I'm all over. I'm very distracted okay, now. Okay, right. Let's, it's okay. Fine. looks like you want to get to the self-help. Yes. Like, self-help. What's a sexual way of doing it? <laughs> uh, so it takes longer for the conversation to get dirty, but all right. So It's a good book. I think I've read a lot of other self-help books and this one has stuck out in my mind for the six months since reading it. I can't stop bringing it up in conversations because it's been that helpful. Yeah. Like, so many things have been relating to the content of the book. Okay. Yeah. I guess the summary, when you say it's self-help, is it specifically about creativity? Yeah, or? so the book's called Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. It sounds like it's for creative people, but it's for anyone, really, because we all need an outlet to be creative in our jobs. Never discount yourself. 
we're all creative. We all have that capacity and maybe we've lost it along the way from childhood, but you can always reconnect with that again. And having worked a nine to five job since I graduated from uni, I got stuck in that kind of, I lost my way. Like what's it like to be creative and to make things for fun? And then I got back into stand up. I've made that my job. And there's some interesting advice in there that if I'd read it before I quit my nine to five job, I probably wouldn't maybe be here doing stand up full time because she says not to put pressure on your creativity. So don't expect your creativity to pay the bills because then you lose the love for it. So she made a promise to herself when she was a kid that no matter what happened, she would always write. Even when things got hard, no matter what happened in life, she made a vow to herself that she would write. She had like a little candle lit like seance, you know, oh, to really? make it official kind of things. <laughs> yeah. For me, no, I'm like... That's, that's legally binding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it made me think, oh, actually, if I was to make a promise to myself, I would promise to never stop talking, probably. Like ever since I was a kid, I was too talkative. Teachers were like, can you shut up? You're distracting. And now that has paid off because all I do all day is talk. If I can keep doing that forever and sharing knowledge, sharing stories, it's not just talking, but listening because I love getting to know people. You can only learn through listening, really. You can't learn through talking as they say in a way like you know you can kind of reinforce knowledge by talking it out and stuff but you will gain a lot more through asking questions i guess i I probably put talking and writing in the same bucket when i say like i think it does help though you can learn just by putting down what you're thinking about something sometimes do you like you know you kind of putting words to those thoughts which are just in a million different directions you can sometimes i think solidify yeah you know what i mean like as in the concept yeah 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 so it's not just like you you can just just by talking out you can actually almost yeah, put mm. function form to stuff that isn't there and be like, oh, okay, well, I think that. Okay, yes. I'm learning about myself just from... Yeah, I, yes. I agree. Yeah. What, what job did you have, nine to five? Worked for state government in transport and I was working in communications, public relations, stakeholder engagement, doing web stuff. Okay, but on the website. Mm. Yeah, I kind of rotated as a graduate through a different, lots of different areas and then I landed with a year-long contract on a website for infrastructure in Victoria. So how many years were you there? Three years altogether. And then you did a straight quit. Yep, straight up quit in January. This year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's recent. Yeah, it's pretty recent, yeah. It's going quite well and I do think that when things are flowing and opportunities keep coming and your life is going easily, you're on the right track. So it's very different to how I feel I used to be, like kind of struggling especially all the things that you would leave on the back burner, like your household chores and I wasn't eating right. You know, you're yeah, constantly yeah. feeling like you're on the hamster wheel and you don't know how to get off. So you were just kind of like, you felt like you're almost going through the motions and then you just didn't do anything beyond that. It's weird how that works. Like I still gigged hard at nighttime. Like that's how I was able to transition into going, yes, I can do comedy full time, but it was very exhausting to do that. You know, work during the gig at night and do that, you know, for one third of the year, you know, just more. I could imagine. Yeah. I, like, I know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. So did you, so did you have things set up already by the time you quit to then move into in terms of like to sustain yourself? Yeah, the comedy almost. And that stuff? I feel like my hand was kind of forced because it was yeah feeling difficult. So I was like, I feel like I have no choice but to explore other options. And then I set up a desk here and it popped up at the right time. So we're 
in a place called Stupid Old Studios recording this right now and lots of comedians work out of here. So when a desk became available, I'd been on the waiting list. I was like, oh, this is the perfect time to hop over and uh, that is how I will create some structure in my life out of nothing. Yeah, at least it's somewhere to go yeah. and people to work with and you feel like you're actually showing up to work rather than sitting at home watching Netflix and calling it research. So actually that's interesting. So as a, as a, I didn't know uh, how it operated here. So basically you just get on a wait list for a, a table. Mm. Obviously, I'm guessing they vet the people who do yeah, to, to yeah, claim somewhat. one of the tables yeah. or whatever. And then you hire, rent yes. yeah, yeah. that spot. And then you just come in and you share a room with other creatives and it's kind of just you're doing your thing yep. and they're doing their thing, but you've got people to bounce things yeah. off and you've got all the, the capabilities that are here, mm. like the studio we're currently recording in. Yes, exactly. And we've got like a TV studio downstairs and, yeah, kitchen and it's in Brunswick, so it's very close to all the creative people and yeah. the places to perform. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, Coffee's a creative here, I'm sure. <laughs> it's just yes. fancy. Oh, nice. I'm so, drinking Makona right now, though. <laughs> okay, so do you, are you the kind of person that needs that set structure? to be able to do anything? I'm really good at setting goals for myself. I would say I'm a super goal-oriented person, but I do procrastinate a lot. That's probably the one thing where I need a manager to help with that. Apparently I'm very externally like motivated. I need a deadline. I need somebody to chase me up for stuff. So that's been a, a lesson for myself. Like be your own manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like as in put on the hat, be like, you got to do this yes. by the next week. And then yeah. you're like, oh, God, stupid yeah, yeah. Annie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. That's a, mm. So you get distracted pretty easily. Yeah, not that easily, but it's more that if a task is hard, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> is that like obviously boring, like admin stuff and all that? Yes, I'm guessing. Yeah. definitely. Or asking for stuff, you know, reaching out to people. So I have a, a wish list of things I would like to do. And I try to maybe ask for a few of those each week, you know, reaching out to people for opportunities. Opportunities and if they knock you back, you didn't lose anything. But it, it's that first step of asking. Oh, so you got like a set amount yeah. that you like kind of ask every week. I add to the list, and if I get time, I will tick a few off. Like you know, I want to be on that podcast, or I want to ask for that gig, and I will oh, right, do okay. it. Yeah. So, you, just, so you, you kind of have a list that you add to when you think of it, and then you have a set period where you'll then ask for it. I don't have right. a set period, but it's more like the enjoyment of doing something extra. You know, they're like the bonus. It's the yeah. bonus round, yeah, <laughs> for your life. Like that's what I'm trying to understand. Like so for your day, like, look, go run us through a day. Can oh, run us through. Every day is different. That's why I love working yeah, for yeah. myself. If I came in here, oh, maybe in the morning I would try and go do some exercise, go for a bike ride, got really into riding. Today mm. I went to the Dandenongs. It was really nice. <laughs> that is so far. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, Sassafras, there's like a, a route there. Um, I think it's called the one in 20. And it takes like 20 minutes to go up and then the descent is so much fun. I felt like a kid on a water slide, like, you know, let's climb up again. But, yeah, you have to do the work so you can enjoy the descent. So is it like pretty – I'm guessing there's not many turns then. There's a few turns, yeah. that'd be like stressful powering down. That's the – it was the perfect amount of stress and relaxation because you don't want to be on the brakes the whole time. You want to cruise a little, yeah, and then brake a little bit as well. So it was like the perfect incline. So then I would, let's say, do exercise. So I would come into the studio, check my emails, do admin – probably invoicing and yeah, messaging people, booking a room at the moment. So I've got a comedy room that I run. So sometimes that will take up some time with graphic design and things like that. Um, I might have a meeting with other people. I love networking. Like that is one of my favorite things to do in terms of like connecting with other comedians or producers. Yeah. Once a fortnight, I go into volunteer at Joy, the radio station. So that'll take a few hours. Every day is different. Then at nighttime, I might go do a gig. 
So that's yeah. a full day. Mm. And is there, where's the writing? Yeah, the writing is part of the, so I would do the admin and then might work on some material. Yeah. yeah. So is there like a set time you try to allocate for that? Or is no, it it's very ad hoc. I do the type the idea into the notes thing. And yeah. if I'm preparing for a show, then I would have solid writing time in the lead up to it. But at the moment, festival season's over, so I don't have a script to work on. Well, I mean, Currently, there's the, yeah. The new festival there's a the new festival, yeah. I've, it's still coming off the high of performing at Melbourne Fringe in September, you know, so <laughs> I know the festival's going to roll that around like very quickly. I know, and that's how they get you because suddenly you're like, oh, no, there's next festivals here. Applying for festivals at the moment is taking up a lot of time. So I just got my rejection letter from New Zealand Comedy Festival today, you know, the email. So, yeah, but next year my goal is to get more rejections because it means you're trying harder. And you've got to get rejected like... In order to be, yes, exactly. So, yeah, I heard that at a writer's event when it was Melbourne Writers Fest. A woman named Madeline Dorr, she's a writer herself and created side projects sessions. So where people go and do their side hustles with other people who all need like a time to work on it. And yeah, you pay so that you can be with other people working on their creative ventures. Yeah, she gave that advice that she read it somewhere like a hundred rejections in a year will get you like where you want to go. So you set a goal like something like that. So I think it's totally going to change my mindset about getting knocked back. Yeah, what is a no? Like it's not a no. It's like a yeah, it's just one step further. Mm. Like it's not actually stopping you. It's yeah. actually a step in the right direction. Like yeah, exactly. To, like, I need a hundred of them. Perfect. Another yeah, no. Yeah. Like is in. It's not like oh, I've got to stop now. And that reminds me of something else that's in the I was big magic say, book. This is sounding like very <laughs> so. Yeah, like there is a section where she talks about having submitted an article to be published in a magazine and it got rejected. She worked on the story. Maybe she didn't work on it. The point was it was she left it. She left it on the side with it. And then one day another editor was like, hey, whatever happened to that story that you wrote, you should try again. And she was like, no, I got rejected. I don't think there's any point. She sent it off again under the editor's advice. And then the magazine the second time took it, but it was exactly the same person reading it. Mm. And they wrote back like saying, this is so good. This is like a fantastic article. Like, oh, I'm so glad I read it. We're going to publish it like straight away. And so she talks about how you don't know what other people's mindset is when they're going about their every day. Like people aren't really thinking about you. They're thinking about their own lives. Mm. Like who knows what could have gone on in at that magazine that day for them to reject her the first time. But she uses this analogy of like a wild elk in a forest. And when you run into it, you're like in awe of it. But one day, you know, it'll come searching for you desperately. But the whole time you were trying to spot it being like, where's this mythical elk? Like, I can't find it anywhere. I've been looking for so long. But one day that elk, elk is going to come running and being like, where are you? Like, I need you now. So yeah, she, that's what she means by the timing sometimes will be right and it'll work out. Other times it won't. You'll be searching desperately yeah. and not find what you're looking for. Okay. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting thing, though, because, like, especially with what you do in terms mm. of reaching out constantly, yeah. you probably get a billion people not even saying no, whether ignoring it or yeah, saying yeah. no or all that stuff. And you just, like, instead of getting hung up on it, being like, oh, they've got something against me, you're just yes. kind of like, okay, no, this is just. Yeah. It's not the time, not right now, but later on down the track, yeah. yeah. Keep creating, just keep making it, putting it out there. Firstly, would you – so if you read this book last year, you said you would have kept working and – Probably. Do you reckon you would have or are you just saying that? (laughs) It's hard to say. It's a – what if questions are a big rabbit hole? They're a trap, aren't they? Because a bajillion timelines of your life that could have happened. But, yeah, I found that kind of very practical advice – 
confronting. I was like, wow, never thought of it that way. And also a piece of advice was that if you really find it's a struggle to be doing that creative thing because a lot of us are tortured artists you know we meet up and we complain about how hard things are like Mm. I'm not getting the gigs I want I'm not moving where I want to be moving and so her advice is like just stop then and see what happens because if it's really something that you need in your life like it is your outlet you will keep going you'll find a way you can't stop and that's that happened to me where I stopped comedy for a few years and then it was like eating away at me and I had to keep doing it so eventually I found my way back into it like I couldn't ignore that feeling of wanting to perform right okay yeah and I can understand that as well like even having a break can just help to settle your head about something uh so did you first do comedy like when you were younger, younger, like yeah. in school or just Six, started? I was 16. I did Class Clowns. Right. So the comedy festival runs a competition and I got to the national finals for it and I got super excited. I was hooked on that feeling. After that, I, was, I didn't know where to gig after I was like 17, 18 <coughs> and your parents have to take you to a bar. And they weren't going to do that. They didn't really like me doing the performing stuff anyway. Mm. So I went and followed a traditional path of going to uni, doing a journalism degree and then coming out of it and working full time. And then that whole time I was still very curious about doing comedy and performing. And that's when I, in 2017, I had this like rage quit moment where I was like, oh, if I don't make it this year, like I quit. Like I, I was more like I wanted to do 50 gigs in a year as a test. I was like, if that doesn't work out well, then I'll just quit comedy forever. And it was very dramatic because I was, you know, young and stupid. That was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that young. Well, it was like, you know, the year before that, it was where the frustration kind of built up because I did yeah. raw comedy and I didn't progress. Like after doing it twice, I was like, wow, I sucked harder the second time compared to the first, but I know that I've improved. So yeah. um, that's standard. standard. Yeah. <laughs> is it? No, like, Have you done it? it? No, as in like that feeling where you've improved, but then yeah, it's, but it's not other people like this validated. isn't as good. Yeah, because like. You know you're doing better, but then there's, you know, there's a trillion factors on the night, how yeah. it's going, how everyone's mood is, whether they even like your style, regardless of how good yeah. you are at it. So, yeah, by that I mean standard, you can feel mm. the no external validation. Yes. That and, is- yeah, after that I fucked off the fear of bombing and that was unlocked a huge power for me. It's like, well, if you're not afraid to suck, then the sky's the limit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a part of the work is getting to the point where you don't really – care as much yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i think elizabeth gilbert is right where you have to be to be a good creative you have to toe the line between not giving any shits and giving too much of a shit yeah That's yeah it's, yeah so you do quote elizabeth uh, gilbert look, a I, it just comes out naturally <laughs> yeah, that's what i mean this doesn't feel like this is related to this podcast that's just what you do in general conversation i'm a great salesperson uh like buy my book uh i'll just slide it in anywhere yeah okay so just to go back to that first so when you were talking about uh class clowns uh when you were 16 i i think that is a bit of a hit though because you're so young and you're yeah. getting in like how big is the what's the biggest crowd you dealt with there? so the national final was at the town hall the moment town hall oh right yeah. so that's that's like a thousand that's heaps yeah i think so. it fits two thousand people it yeah. wasn't full to capacity but they definitely filled up the ground and they had some people in the balcony yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so you're not getting a gig like that again for a while <laughs> <laughs> hey i've been there back there a few times since so yeah, yeah. yeah. felt like i was chasing something that i had you know for a while mm. like that lull i was like oh, how do i get back there and will i ever be able to do that again but i didn't really think too far down the track it was more that i was yeah frustrated and depressed when i wasn't doing comedy and mm doing it made me feel so much better just for my mental health. So that's why I'm not obsessed with where I need to go. Like, do I need to be famous? Do I need to be internationally recognized or 
recognize on the street. I don't really care about that stuff because I know that if I stop, my mental health will decline. So it's worth the anxiety to get up and perform. Because I, I, I read self-help books as well. I, like, I read everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I think one of the things, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in a self-help book. I'm not sure. But it's like where you need to be able to enjoy the day-to-day of the thing that you want to do, not just like the end goal thing if you actually want to do it so for you that's kind of the focus becomes about the craft and the work and that's yeah. that's actually what's enjoyable yes and that's what you found obviously because you felt really miserable yeah. when you didn't do it yeah yeah how miserable are we talking like, firstly, I remember how, long, like, how long was it for did you stop i think so all throughout uni i didn't gig so it was like that's a three year long mm-hmm. degree and then i came out of it and i uh, didn't gig for another year so it was like a period of like four or five years yeah. Right. And then so you'd, you'd started full-time work for about a year and then you... Yeah, yeah, got back into it. It's yep. interesting because like, you just felt... It's funny, you can get away with it in uni because you probably were having fun anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's a distraction because you were busy getting some something done, you know, get this degree done, you have assignments. Was it not... No, it was pretty intense, full-on... I went to Monash Caulfield and uh, it wasn't as social as the other campus in Monash, uh, Clayton. Yeah, I just went in, did my classes left. Yeah. Right. And I kind of had regrets about choosing that degree. Like, oh, should I have gone to another university? Because I had my goals set on RMIT from doing VCE. I was like, I want to do that journalism course. It's like really well renowned. And then I got a scholarship to go to Malash. So I thought, oh, I'll just do that. Easy, you know, yeah. don't have to think about it. But that offer was still there, the RMIT offer. So I always wondered like, what would have my life, what my life would have been? But yeah, coming out of it, I think everything works out. So I'm exactly where I needed to be because I don't think I would be a good journalist to be honest. Why not? I just want to laugh at shit. Like, I just want to make fun of the news. I didn't want to actually do the news. So, yeah, what inspired me to do that degree in the first place was going to a comedy festival seminar called Cheese Louise, and they have that on every year, and it's all women. And there was Kate Langbrook, who does Husey and Kate. She was there plus a bunch of other women who all had journalism degrees. They were like, oh, you know, that's what I did as a formal degree because you can't do a degree in comedy it's like a very similar, just a general broadcasting degree. And I thought, I don't know what I want to do with my life. These women have their shit together. I'll do what they did. So that's what made me choose that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it actually wasn't an interest specifically in journalism? Not really. Yeah. I thought it would impress my dad because he watched a lot of the news in no matter what language it was in. He was always watching SBS and he'd be at home standing there watching TV. I'm like, what are you watching, dad? And he's like, Arabic news. You know, he was just into it. Like, <laughs> and he, I don't know, he loved all the, the grimness of the news. I think it would always come up during dinner time. Like, how oh, did you hear like this building collapse? Like 30 people died. And my mum would be so annoyed. Like, don't bring this stuff up. Like, it's, it's a downer. It's bad luck. But I'll be into it. I'll be like, yeah, dad, tell us more. So I thought if I did a degree like that, it would connect with him. But it didn't really impress him. I don't know. A lot of stuff impressed him. <laughs> Is your dad born here? Yeah, he was. I know he was born in China. But he's passed away now. So it's more like correction of your tense because he's dead. He came in the 50s. Yes. And migrated as a 19-year-old to work on a farm in Coleraine. So my great-granddad first came to Australia during the gold rush and family members came and went to help him with this farm venture and gold digging and all the other fun that was happening around that time. Mm. Yeah. And so then my dad was the first one to stay and have kids. Oh, so like there was a constant flow of people coming and going. Yeah, yeah. Down. yeah, but only men could come. 
So back in the day, like women were banned uh, from Australia's point of view, or China, China's point. No, of view? from like the the Australian government didn't want Chinese people bringing family here okay. and like having kids and stuff. So wow, from that long, yeah. Because that's like when was that? That was the Gold Rush. That's eighteen eighty. Yes, yeah. And so, but then different family members were just slowly rotating through Australia. Yeah. So then, like his moment. dad came, and then yeah, he came. So yeah, there was the great granddad. Then like my dad's granddad. Whatever, yeah. They all came. That's what in, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my dad migrated into the city and ended up working in, like, the food industry. So, like, selling things. He was a salesman importing food from China and selling it mm-hmm. in Australia, yeah, for restaurants and things. Ingredients. Yeah, yeah. To go, so I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So your great granddad came down for the gold rush related stuff, yep. had a farm or something, and yeah. everyone was kind of going involved in this farm. Was that? Yeah, involved in the farm, or they had a grocery store as well, a milk bar, okay. which people don't understand what a milk bar is these days. I'm like, surely everybody knows. Like, oh, wow. on your streets have a milk bar, and they're like, what is that? Like, you go there and you get milk, and I'm, I'm like, a general store, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, like, we still have one on my street, and I call it the milk bar. Actually, yeah, there's the, we used to we only, the one that I had down the road from me. It's got on like last year so mm. maybe they are going yeah maybe IGN people only know just... about convenience stores now yeah yeah. yeah yeah good thing about having a podcast is you don't care about mentioning brands because we're not allowed to do that on community radio like, uh, at all yeah yeah can just go nuts yeah, yeah go Coca-Cola, nuts Apple, yeah uh, <laughs> please sponsor me general electric i don't know now. <laughs> <laughs> nice nikes um so so he did he stay because he'd met someone or just liked Australia. Yeah, I think like, he liked Australia. It's also a massive journey by boat to travel here. So I don't know if you want to commit dad. that much time, you know. It's yeah, It's not that long ago. I don't think you – yeah, oh, in the, the 50s. 50s he definitely came by boat, yeah. Oh, your dad's – Even in the 80s, you know, boat people, like Vietnamese people came, refugees by boat. Okay, that's a different – I wasn't making assumptions. <laughs> 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 Valid point, yeah, okay. Yeah. So he stayed and then so did you, who would you, I'm only saying this because you said yeah. you do the journalism thing yeah. because you thought he would like it. Yeah. Were you always daddy's little girl or was it more a case of? I think up to the age of about 13, yeah, definitely we got along well and then I hit my rebellious teenage years mm-hmm. and flipped out. I think we're very similar people. So, yeah, he was always a good storyteller, always running into people in the street and ch- having a chat. Yeah, but yeah, I think because he had traditional views and wanted to control like what I did and where I went and stuff, so that's where we really clashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have any uh, brothers or sisters? I've got a younger sister. Okay. She's twenty. Yeah. So did she have it easier? Uh, yeah, I think she did. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, I was forging the path. Yeah. Yeah. That's always the yeah. case, right? Yeah. Are you a first I was, I was, born? No, no, I was third well. born. I oh, back. okay. Nice. I was, I was forgotten. The the I was yeah. too ignored. <laughs> to be honest, I'm sorry. Your dad loved you. Yeah. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. <laughs> okay, so he was a bit harsh and then you obviously had the fight and you separate. Did he, but now he's passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that like a recent thing? Oh, uh, like five years ago. Ish. Yeah. Okay, so before you'd gone back into the comedy and stuff, I'm just. Oh, yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, I was. Yes, yes. Because I went on a Rotary International camp and I'm volunteering again in a few weeks' time, but it was like a self development week. You do lots of activities, you meet other like minded people, and you try to find out what you're passionate about in life and what you want to do with the community and whether you have the capacity to volunteer. And they fostered a lot of these ideas. So, yeah, my dad passed away. I went on this camp and they brainstormed. Um, was it uni, just a crime from It wasn't related to uni. I'd finished university. Oh, and it's, timeline. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a, a camp for 18 to 25-year-olds. Okay. So people who in, are in uni can do it, but I happen to have finished and feeling really lost. Like, my dad passed away. I didn't know where I was headed with this degree that I'd done and what kind of jobs to apply for. And we were doing a session on, I think it was fear of failure and we or like our fears in general. And everybody had these we wrote them down on a piece of paper and then people read them anonymously. So many times it came up again and again that people would, their main fear was to fail, which is really, you know, kind of silly because, you know, how do you define failure? How do you define success? And so we started writing up some goals of ours and I shared that I wanted to do the comedy festival one day, like as a bucket list item, like just once, I'll just do it once. And then they wrote it up on the whiteboard because we'd be sharing it in little groups of three. And then when I saw it up there, I was like, oh no, I was like shocked. I think I had like my hands over my mouth. I'm like, like they've said it now, like it's up there, like it's it's too real or like it seems impossible kind of thing. And then I didn't know that I would be performing at that camp in front of everyone. There was like a little talent show project and I got up and did five minutes of stand up. And it went off and I hadn't had that feeling for so long. And that was what planted the seed to get me going again because I'm like, all these people, they loved it. And there was a guy who is really into comedy and now is on the panel for the 
like judging the awards at the comedy festival. So I didn't know there was a big like comedy fan in the audience and he came up to me and said like that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I'm like, that's so nice. So yeah, that really got me going again and that's where it all started picking up. So 2016. Yeah, 2015 I did the camp, 2016 dabbled a little bit more in stand-up and every year since it's gotten bigger and bigger. And you kind of went on the camp partially after your dad passed and that was like you were trying to figure out. Yeah, something for yep. yourself. Yeah. And it was time away because you don't use technology. So you don't use your, your phone and stuff. So it was good to get off social media for a week and be in the Dananongs in the, at Mount Evelyn and just listen to talks all day. And all you have to do is it's free accommodation and stuff as well. And I also know people who only went because they were like, oh, you don't have anywhere to live this week. So I'm going to, yeah, come on the gam and they feed me and stuff. <laughs> That's plural. How short term is their strategy? <laughs> <laughs> You've got multiple people who are like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Free week of food. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's okay. So that's just because it's interesting to me, like that that timeline sort of you kind of dealing with obviously feeling a bit empty creatively, but also then your dad passing. So mm. it's maybe something that makes you look at what you're doing in a yes. bit of a bigger picture kind of way. And then yeah. you're like, what am I doing? And maybe even one of the reasons you weren't doing comedy is, is not there anymore in like a weird kind of way. I'm just kind of spitballing here. You can stop. Oh, me yeah. As, as in well. like, the reason like that your I was. Your dad having a, issues possibly with the comedy, maybe? Yeah. Or like. I don't know. That's mm. no, I don't, I don't, <laughs> no, that's true. It's true. You're right. Cause, no, no, uh, I don't have to be right. I can be right. No, no. Now that I think about it in terms of, you know, yeah, not wanting me to go out and at night and stuff and gigging is a nighttime activity. So, yeah, you remove that and I did feel a lot more free and I think there is maybe some people who are listening. You go through a lot of different feelings like when it comes to grief but for me one of them was like this guilt over actually feeling good that like he didn't, wasn't there to hold me back anymore. Yeah, in terms of being able to do what I wanted. Like I got really healthy and fit because I was able to join a gym, but I think my dad would have said like, no, you're going out too much, even if it was like to exercise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no I, I totally understand that. Mm. I've, got, I've got a Greek dad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the complex feelings yes, involved yes. if that ever happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that, that is a bit weird though, isn't it, how it works like that? Yeah. yeah. But it does get you out of, or you could argue that you've just de- treated as healthily as possible. Yes. And just gone. Mm. Step to step that. So to tie it back to since we are talking about <laughs> top books and stuff as well, do you kind of person that like something like that happens and then you start getting the self-help books related to that sort of thing, like dealing with grief or something like uh, that? No, I, I didn't read any of those books after that, but maybe with the breakups that I've been through, yeah, you're searching for like people to recommend you some stuff. So that's been like very helpful because I read The Power of Now right after my first breakup. My friend introduced me to the concept of meditating, which I hadn't really had any close friends talk about like it was still pretty it wasn't like big time the self-care movement you know that it is now like it was yeah you hear people doing it and like they say that's makes you really productive and stuff but I didn't know a lot about it so he gave me that book and then said like read this and start meditating and it helped so you do you meditate now yeah try to do 10 minutes in the morning and at night before bed all right yeah and you think it helps uh, yeah, I definitely think it helps. Like, them, I'm less likely to make mistakes during the day, forget stuff. Yeah. So, for example, I didn't meditate today, was driving out to the Dandenongs and forgot my helmet. I was like, well, great. And I can't turn back. So I had to go to a bike store. And I'm like, well, that was a costly mistake. If only I'd spent 10 minutes meditating today, it probably wouldn't have happened. So you do notice things like I that? I do happen. notice. Yeah. Like, I'm scrambling. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting, yeah, because I, I do a little bit of meditation here and there. But I'm always like, I'm just always wondering. I'm like, is this, I like, I feel like it is. Mm. I remember like because it's so unquantifiable you're almost like I don't know but it does relax you in terms of your actual blood pressure will lower yeah yeah 
only from, it doesn't matter what's going on in your head, but there's simply the breathing side of it where you breathe a bit slower for five minutes. That That's enough. Five minutes is enough to mm. have a physiological change. Yeah. Yeah. So keep doing it. Yeah, no, I, do, I, do. I also do some yoga as well. So, like, you know, yeah. if I'm doing yoga, I'm like, I don't need to meditate. I did yoga. It's like, mm. I don't need to do both. I yeah. Don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't live in Byron Bay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, so, so, how bad was this breakup that you needed to get the power of now? I think it's that, well, the first breakup is always hard. Yeah. And then my friend, it was just there. He just recommended it. I didn't ask for it. He goes, this really helped me. He said, this really helped me when I had a big breakup. And he gave me that. And the concepts are like really hard to understand because it is very abstract. And you kind of push through. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I felt like my brain was legitimately hurting trying to understand all that. He goes pretty metaphysical. Like, as in, I'm like, oh, this is is some deep shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's that meme where like that brain is like, you know, beams are coming out of it. Like in the last one, you know, it was like full on like the last picture of that meme the whole way through the book. Yeah, it gets pretty because he talks like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't finish that. I got it. I was like, Phew, this is this is a lot. This is what they talk about when they're like the crazy like level of meditation hippie. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This yeah. guy's gone real hard on this. Mm. It's real good though. It is. I yeah. made it through the end, so that makes me a better human being. Like, Damn it. <laughs> Lose again. <laughs> so you did do some degree of, I guess, even though you did it for the wrong reasons, <laughs> not wrong reasons, different reasons for doing journalism. Uh, but you discovered it because you went to this conference, which was like this all-women conference about people doing better. Right? Oh, Community what? Things on. Didn't no. you mention that? The youth camp? No, no, the uh, uh, the one where you oh, saw. Oh, the Jeez Louise um, yes. comedy festival show. Yeah, it was like a panel. Mm. Panel, yeah. So you're pretty active. Do you do anything in those sort of fields? I really find it interesting. I would get along to women's events. I went to an all-girls high school, so I f- find it naturally comforting to be around women. <laughs> Yeah, and very empowering, yes. Like those confusing men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I went back to talk at my high school and it cemented, I was like, this is an amazing sound of like the whole school laughing at jokes that I'd, you know, went back to talk about what I was doing now and I was like, I wish I had that on record and I could just play it, you know, and get the feeling of being like, ah, it's the best sound. Yeah. Like girls laughing. Girls laughing. Not, not, not a creepy way, but yeah. <laughs> hey, you're the one saying, I think if I said it, maybe it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think girls laugh more purely than guys Aww. in a weird way. Don't you reckon? Like but, as in that's true. from the comedy, like I'm, t- I'm saying when you're gigging and you're like performing, I always feel like you, you're more likely to have girls like really laughing heartily than oh, yeah. guys, I find. Yeah, is it because guys, are, they're like judging, do you think? They're more like arms folded. Emotionally, yeah, they're yeah. less open. Yeah, like, they're less gotcha. willing to show their ah, enjoyment you, of it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Like, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like laughter's an emotion too, and I get rid of all of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So I could imagine actually having that many girls laughing. Yeah. That would be a beautiful sound. It would be like. I wish waves. I could give you some of that. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. I'll, the search continues. I'll just start asking. Continues. I'll just really start focusing on all girls' schools. I want to start performing there. Yeah, that's you're going to get on some list, that's, definitely. Okay, that's good to know. Um, since we're on the topic of the, do you have any other causes that you kind of most passionately believe in, or topics that you kind of focus on from the news side of things? Uh, well, I volunteer. Yeah, for Joy. So passionate about being an ally to LGBTIQ plus people, and I also volunteer for a Burns charity. So that is my life story as well. And that's kind of what got me into comedy too because I had this accident when I was 16, still in high school, and then I was like, well, we all die. We better get on with it. What are some goals that I want to 
All right. achieve. Yeah. Was it a bad? Um, uh, I went to a hospital for two weeks, so it's not too bad in the scheme. Of now I've met a lot of people who are very badly burnt and it makes me very grateful for my life. Mm. Um, and things could be like a lot worse. But yeah, it was a campfire accident when I was out leading a group of students and I was only like just turned 16 and I fainted into a fire and had 10% burns to my face and neck. So that was 10 years ago. So then this year I did a charity ride to raise money for that foundation. So yeah, everything's kind of linked. Like my life kind of makes sense because this youth camp that I did helped me discover what my causes I wanted to dedicate my time to. And like it's run by Rotary International, but I didn't connect as much with what they were doing I wanted to find my own cause. Like, what kind of things can I get involved with that kind of affect me or other I know about? So then I reached out, just Googled what burns charities there are in Australia and then attached myself to one, sent an email. They're like, yes, we're always looking for volunteers. So then I went to a camp for their families and they always go to Queensland each year. And then they saw that I did stand-up comedy and the CEO is very encouraging. She would always ask me to perform, like quite on the spot. I'd be like, a little bit of notice would be nice. And she always calls them skits. Like, would you do a little skit for us? Like, just do a little 10-minute skit, like a little skitty skit. And I'm like, uh, sure, yeah. It's hard to call it art when people call it skits. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I'm an artist. So okay. uh, they decided to make me an ambassador after the first year that I was involved in that camp. So, yeah, now I proudly rep the Kids Foundation and what they do. Yeah, it definitely changed my life. So did it, okay, um, that's a topic we can talk about, mm. that's okay to... Yeah, totally, yeah. 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 No, don't, I'm not trying to get graphic or anything like that. No. I'm just wondering in terms of like when you, you obviously it was there, there would have been scars and stuff from yes. it at the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. So did that make you more nervous about maybe not being, like did that make standing up in front of people even more of a, did this yeah. happen before the comedy? Yeah, it happened yeah. before the comedy and made me do the comedy. So when I was doing Class Clowns, I still had bandages on my face um yeah but I didn't yes but I didn't talk about it because it was too real like you have to close the loop before you can joke about stuff like that and in 2017 that's what I did my comedy festival show about and like I did the solo was called butt donut because it was about the cushion you sit on if you've had skin grafts so like yeah I almost had skin grafts and I thought I was I went all the way to um the theater they cut they were said they were going to cut some skin from my butt and put it on my eye and then I got out and I didn't know what had happened. I was all drugged up and I couldn't figure out why there didn't seem to be like any bandages. And then two days later they were like, oh, you're fine. We decided, we looked at you while we were in there and you're going to be okay. So we just washed your face for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like I was, yeah, fully prepared. And then a classmate when I went back to school asked me where my butt donut was because her aunt had a similar thing happened and they took skin grafts. And she was like, I don't understand how you're sitting down right now. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, some funny things have happened around that. I always saw the humour in it as well and that you shouldn't like take life too seriously because every day since then is like, oh, wow, it's like, yeah, it's a bonus day that I've been alive. So, yeah, the feeling does wear off and I think we need so some of those things to push us forward in terms of uh, what direction you want to head in. Like every tragic event and tragic events are going to happen to us all because that is part of the human condition that is like you know living is both terrible and beautiful you know so you kind of it's take, a take it tragedy in a comedy yeah. yes yeah and i do enjoy that kind of burst of energy that comes with like feeling alive again after bad shit happens so they're just waiting around for your next tragedy yeah pretty much gotta <laughs> no, no, make some art no. yeah, yeah yeah well i mean so and I just can't believe you. So you were getting up for Class Clowns with the bandages still on. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, 
legit. Like, is that was that mm. was that just because you were going to do it anyway, and this accident happened? No, like, no. Nah, I wanted so- to be an actor, so when I was a teenager. And right before I had that accident, I had joined a youth theatre group called Victorian Youth Theatre. And I had this stellar performance where I, it was like there, every six months they put on a showcase. And I think I played Medea in the play. It was a shortened version, like for kids kind of thing. And yeah, I enjoyed you it. You play for kids. I know, hey. <laughs> What's the kids version of that? <laughs> a lot of screaming. Uh, yeah. But I thought that, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like that was so much fun. And then suddenly like I had this accident and I was like, oh, well, that's out the window because, yeah, it's such a looks-based thing. But I still wanted to perform and I always thought that I was funny. And then it was only because of that push through having an accident that I thought I would sign up to do this competition and I didn't really care because I just wanted to do it and knowing that I did it because it was something that I'd always wanted to try but mm-hmm. was too scared to, yeah. Wow. You have like the health, like an almost worryingly healthy response to tragedy. Like to go from, (laughs) like I just like I just can't get over like the band is still on. You're like, nah, I'm gonna do something good with this, and you're just like powering on. It's very impressive. Yes, and also probably would be a good time. that's, that's mm. um, probably a good time in terms of like you would have had a lot of goodwill with the parents as well. You could have done whatever you wanted there. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, right? Like, as in they- no, I don't think I made them more protective, I think. I went in the opposite direction because my mum's still very, I think she's more traumatised about it than I am because I was the one who went through it but she had to see the suffering herself and she hasn't been able to offload that onto anybody because she only speaks Chinese so it's hard to get help. Like psychologically, oh, so for people ex- who don't speak English, yeah, like she goes to has been to a counselor, but um, she doesn't really rate them because apparently they talk too much about their problems, <laughs> which is a bad thing to have in a council. <laughs> yeah. These Chinese counselors, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like is that how just the culture of counselors over just there? A bad counselor, yeah. Surely there's other counselors as well. Like, it's actually very difficult to find and I've been googling every now and then to see if I can find it somewhere else but if there's people out there who speak Chinese and are psychologists hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know more. Yeah, and it made me feel that there should be better services in place for non-English speakers here. Yeah. Definitely. Like I yeah. actually never even thought about it, especially cuz I think that's hard because that's such an intimate thing to get through to someone. It's almost difficult to do that through translation. Exactly. Yeah, to have a third person there it would be quite odd and I don't think yeah, you'd have it would take twice as long to get yeah. to the point and get help for that. Mm. Okay. So you can speak Chinese. I speak a up. dialect at home, yeah. It's from a very small city in China. And no one else in Melbourne speaks it really. So really? it's a great secret language. My sister and I are very safe like bitching about people on the street. But then when we go back to China and realise that there's a million people in that town, like that city is actually a million people. Yeah. So we can't Yeah, we can't <laughs> communicate on the bus secretly anymore. We can <laughs> But you don't want to speak English either because then you probably get mugged. So we just don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think so can you also speak like one of the more generic, I guess, Chinese Languages or just the dialect? Yeah, a bit of conversational Cantonese. And my sister's fluent in Mandarin. She went to Chinese school, finished her year 12 studies and then is now studying it at Melbourne Uni. So, oh. yeah, she's definitely done better oh, than me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've given up. I tried the whole adult languages, adult lessons, classes that didn't work. 
Yeah. In Chinese or in another language? In Chinese, yeah. Okay, yeah. I still get stopped on the street to be asked for directions. That was the main reason I did it. We always, every term, like we had to justify why we were there. Like we'd always go around the room and be like, why are you here? And I'm like, I don't want to be disappointment to strangers when they stop me on the street. That's like the main motivation. And to know what's going on in the family group chat because I wanted to know if they were bitching about me. <laughs> Which they're not, so <laughs> it's mostly baby videos. Who's stopping you on the street? To... Old ladies. Like They just know. They know I'm Chinese. I'm like, how? how do they, they, have, they just know. They... Or are they just going for any vaguely Asian It's program? true. Probably that too. Yeah, like it has to pay off. Like one in 50 will probably be, you know. Probably way less, to be honest, for Chinese, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. And now I... My Chinese sucks so much I've had to go back to physically showing them. Like, I'll, I'll just take you. Like, hold my hand. Like, let's go. You know, it's easier than have to yeah. explain why I'm a failure. <laughs> but your dialect, your specific little town dialect, without mm. you're, you're fluent, you're good, you're fine. I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but it gets by. Yeah. Enough yeah. to communicate with my mum. So who does your mum have, like, this is me maybe going a bit real again. So totally, totally off the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who does your mum talk to then, if like not to you guys? Through WeChat, she keeps a very strong tie with the family in China. In China? Yes, yeah. She talks to them more? Yes, than... yeah, yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah, just because I, I know I remember I was t- talking to someone about it because both my parents are immigrants from Greece. Yes. Um, they they speak English. They've like, they're there because they came quite young. Not, not young, but 19, the other one was 26 or something. So they've still got their strong accent and it's still kind of broken English, but it's still like thing. But also like it's very interesting separation that immigrant children have compared to almost, it's a very unique situation mm. where you and your parents can never speak to each other in your native tongues. I know. That is something I've been trying to chat to my friends about. I'm like, some of my friends will never know what it's like to not be able to express yourself yeah. to your family, you know. You can never have like, I could never have a proper heart to heart in the same yes. yeah there's always that distance there yeah because they, they're, they're like, good with english but it's just it's not there for, like if they're upset they're gonna yeah exactly Greek, you know yeah, what I mean? like yeah, yeah. If things are real it's gonna switch to your yeah you go back to your base and in chinese there's a saying it's like a chicken talking to a duck that's what it's like yeah <laughs> you're like you're from the same you're the same kind of you know species or whatever but you can't really get each other that's pretty good yeah i like that saying yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that does result in dis- – but your, but your dad, on the other hand, he could speak? He spoke better English and I think he understood a lot more than he could speak. So I don't know if a lot of conversations were safe, you know, if you were going to tell your secrets. <laughs> he probably knew what was going on. Yeah, but my mum works at a restaurant so she speaks Cantonese a lot to customers yeah. and practices her English that way. So, yeah, a lot of her friends are work friends so they, they can still chat but not in the same – dialect but as a part of a bigger language but that's all right it's yeah still good with that as well right yeah, yeah 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 and she speaks mandarin as well so, okay yeah so she's laughing she yeah to, to half of Melbourne. <laughs> pretty much like, yeah. yeah true <laughs> like you're pretty much fine yeah especially with like the diaspora of yeah. australia yep especially melbourne you're definitely mm, fine from yes yeah not being as fluent in english okay that's interesting actually this i don't have bigger topic this is when because you were talking about the mental health aspect when you were doing the creative thing, which obviously now, yeah. kind of from from our meandering way of getting there, can just kind of was spurred on by your dad's passing. Mm. Was that a like how big serious was that kind of time? Were you ever like something worrying there, or you just kind of feeling a bit? Yeah, down I did and- wonder. You know, how long does it take to get over it? Because I still felt like I was on the edge of crying like all the time, like for months. 
afterwards. And I'm like, especially like the area where he passed away was around Royal Melbourne Hospital. So he had a stroke when he was driving. And then that was like, just that area was triggering for like a long time, like going past there. And then, but now like as time goes on, like it's still with me, but it's not as emotionally damaging, I guess, suppose, you know, to, to be around things that are like related to him. Yeah. So I think no matter what happens, like when you lose a parent, it's always going to be somewhat a big part of your life but yeah you kind of grow from that and it's a lot of positives will happen after everything that's negative so that's why I don't dwell on it as much I think I read in some book that meeting somebody with a dead parent is like meeting an astronaut someone who's been to the moon it's kind of cool you know like they know stuff more a little bit more about life and the world (laughs) yeah so when I meet somebody else who has yeah, a close relative parent who's passed away. I'm like, ah, I can tell. Like if you're usually, you know, really strong people or, you know, you can chat to them They've about real that. talk. Yeah. yeah. Having that pressure and the weight and the responsibility kind of. Yeah. How old were you when that happened? Uh, 21. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, hmm. that's a lot to deal with, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people who have lost parents younger and, you know, more tragically, but it's not about – Comparing yourself is not competition, no. So, yeah, I'm more interested in, like, what happened afterwards? You know, what are you doing now? How did you become a better person after that? And usually they do become better people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't, you can recommend them big magic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not going to fix all your problems, please. Like, go to your GP and talk about it as well. (laughs) Also very important. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think we've kind of gone through a few things. I guess the uh, only other one, do you have any other... Did this make you rethink some of the stuff you've read in Big Magic, actually, from our chat? Maybe some more connections there. We've covered, yeah, there's, I'll just flip back. There's a chapter called, you know, Addiction to Suffering, and that is a thing with the tortured artist thing. So we've covered that. Love that you're actually physically flicking through the book right now. Yeah. To make sure you've podcast. ticked off all of your <laughs> topics. Persistence, you yes. You're like, this is, my, this is all I've wanted is a chance to talk about this book. <laughs> I feel like I've denied you the chance to talk no, about it as much I, as you no, like. No, you know what? This is fantastic because I'm. anytime it comes up, I'm just going to send a link to your podcast. I'm like, I can't be bothered talking about it anymore. You can hear all about it on George's <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So I'm saving a lot of breath by um, dishing you all this info. Okay. Well, is there anything yeah. else you want to add the, from it before Yeah, the, we... last, the last story is very good. It's about a – should I tell it? Well, people – look, nonfiction books apparently you can read – in any order, you know? Yeah. Don't feel like you have to read it from start to finish. Just pick a chapter and go for it. So I'm not really ruining the ending if I tell you about the story, yeah, at the end. But um, it's about a man who... We'll just say this is tying up. So if anyone does want to not have that, spoiler warning or you can close off now, BS now. Yes, yeah. Uh, It's a guy who's been invited to a party and they tell him, you know, it's at the King's Palace or whatever and it's a dress-up. It's a dress-up party. And he goes, oh, cool, how exciting, I can dress up as anything. So he goes and dresses up as a lobster, thinking this is fun, this is cool. And then he goes there and realises everybody is dressed in fancy dress, like, you know, suit attire, nice dresses, and he's like, I'm so embarrassed. What do I do? Do I leave? And he goes, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to own it. I'm going to say that I'm the king's lobster. <laughs> and so he goes around chatting and people are like, what, what is the deal? And they get really entertained by him and they're like, that's so smart. That's hilarious. You're so funny. We love you. We love you, lobster. It's a tale about how you can only work with the information that you're given. So sometimes I've related it to comedy where you rock up to a night and you're like, this is not what I thought it was. Or like, oh, everybody is doing circus and I'm here telling jokes and I feel out of place. Never, you know, don't beat yourself up because you're the, you're the lobster. 
Nice. Mm. Okay. That's, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I don't know if you that. got anything out of that, but Look I've lent this to my friend and she's underlined completely different parts to what I've highlighted, you know. So people take what they want from books and that's exactly that's me the just, point. I think that always means it? it's better in a yeah. way because it means like it's appealing to lots of different people's tastes in yep. a different way. Absolutely. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having your is and that's and then for sharing the fun of big magic. Thanks. <laughs> I've no, I'm not doing well with this ending, but no, that's <laughs> right. No, thank you very much for having us on. You've been really open. Um, any last things you want to add about big magic or anything else? No, not really. Yeah, go out and uh, listen to the audiobook or the podcast, or you pick up a copy. Yeah. Okay. She awesome. should pay me for this. I've done a good job spooking, I think. I think you can probably send her a link and be like, look what I'm doing for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she gets that every day. She's like, who is this? Nobody. It's all good. <laughs> uh, no, it's all. Thank you very much for being on, Annie. Thanks, George. Cheers. Annie Louie, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.